teamwork is a lot of work. Wouldn't it be easier just to do everything yourself? Well, of course, the answer to that is no. So today we're going to be talking about why teams matter, how to build healthy teams, and how to help teams work together for awesome kingdom purposes. So if you want to hear more about teams, then stick around for the Simple Kidmen podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Simple Kid Men Podcast, the podcast where we take the complicated world of children's ministry and we boil it down to the things that matter most. I'm your host, Jason Byerly, and today we're going to be talking about one of those things that really is a high, high priority in children's ministry, and that is teamwork. Because the health of our teams determines really the health of our ministry. Now, I'll be super honest with you. I am kind of naturally more of a solo player on my own. I grew up as an only child. I did not play team sports in school. I hated doing group assignments in high school and college. It was much easier for me to go and just run with a project and do it myself, and then I could stand or fall on my own ideas and effort. I found it really frustrating to work as a part of a team when it came to school projects. And then a couple of decades ago, God called me into ministry And though I didn't have a lot of experience with teams or really a great idea of how teamwork worked, I quickly fell in love with being a part of a team. And throughout the years, my greatest joys and victories have been because I've been a part of a team. And some of my greatest frustrations and failures have been being a part of or leading a team. Because teamwork, it's, well, it's work. It's tricky business. And as sinful, individual, broken people, sometimes it can be a little tough to come together and function as one body. So we're going to get into teamwork today, why it matters, and how you can help your teams be able to play and work together so much better so that all the glory can go to God. Now, throughout our lives, most of us have had a chance to experience the ups and downs of playing on a team. Whether it was elementary school soccer for you or high school orchestra or college group assignments like me or corporate team projects, we all know what it's like to have to learn to collaborate and work together. Now, some of these team experiences have probably been awesome for you. Others, well, maybe not so much. Serving on a team can either be the best or the worst experience of your life. Now, let's talk about some of those. What were some of your team experiences as a child and as an adult? Have you ever been on an awesome team or seen one in action? On the other hand, have you ever served on a terrible team or watched one from a distance? It's painful, isn't it? Sometimes because of the negative team experiences in our past, we might question the value or efficiency of teams. Other times, it may just seem easier to work alone. Well, despite our reservations, the potential benefits of healthy teamwork far outweigh the challenges. Here are some reasons from author and leadership expert Mark Miller that he shared on his blog, Great Leaders Serve, for why teams are so critical. Here were a few of Mark's thoughts. He said that teams allow people to maximize their individual contribution. Teams can accomplish what individuals cannot. Teams create capacity in performance and free up capacity for the senior leader to do things that only they can do. Teams outperform individuals, and teams are life-giving. Now, I agree with all of that. All of these things are true. However, for me, the most compelling reason for teamwork is that it honors God, and we are designed for it. 
From the very beginning, God designed us, wired us to function as a part of a team. In Genesis 2.11, God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. And even though this verse refers to the marriage relationship, there's a principle that we see in Scripture that extends beyond marriage. We were made for connection and collaboration. Now, the book of Ecclesiastes in the New Living Translation, chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 and 12, says it like this. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, well, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, can you think of a situation in your life where you struggled or failed because you were trying to do something by yourself? Now, think about how would that situation have played out differently if you had others to help you? Well, when it comes to ministry, teamwork, it's not optional. Ministry always involves team. At its heart, ministry is about relationships and people. It cannot be done in isolation. Consider Jesus, who certainly did not need a team to carry on his mission, but he chose to work through a group of 12 ordinary men to build his kingdom on earth. Though the disciples were hardly a dream team, Jesus persisted with them to the end, valuing relationship and discipleship above short-term performance. In the end, Jesus' team formed the nucleus of the newborn church, and out of that team came other ministry teams. Now think about the Apostle Paul, a superstar solo player if there ever was one. This guy not only had incredible credentials and the intelligence and skills to support them, but he also had an up-close and personal encounter with Jesus that changed the entire trajectory of his life. You wouldn't think Paul needed anyone to help him to get the job done. But when Paul went out to set the world on fire with the gospel, he never went alone. He always worked with a team, an extended family of believers on mission together. Throughout scripture, we see Paul serving alongside people like Barnabas, John Mark, Silas, Timothy, Luke, Tychius, Epaphras, Aristarchus, Onesimus, and many others. And though these team dynamics weren't always easy, like the time John Mark ditched Paul, causing a big rift with Barnabas, Paul still did ministry in community. Why? Well, the same reason Jesus insisted on working through a team, because God values community, and he made us to be interdependent as we do ministry together. After all, as Paul himself said in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 in the NIV, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now, when Paul says that we're a part of the body of Christ, what exactly does that mean? Well, it means there's only one head, and that's Jesus. It means that all the parts of the body, all of the people who you serve with in children's ministry, they all matter. They each have their own unique function and purpose. In fact, their differences are what makes them more valuable to each other. It also means as parts of the body, we're all connected. If one part suffers, well, we all suffer. Because we're all connected, our activity has to be coordinated for the body to get anything done. In his book about the heroic 1936 U.S. crew team called The Boys in the Boat, Nine Americans, and Their Epic Quest for Gold at the 1936 Berlin Olympics, author Daniel James Brown paints a vivid picture of teamwork. Here's an excerpt from the book. He suggested that Joe think of a well-rowed race as a symphony and himself as just one player in the orchestra. If one fellow in the orchestra was playing out of tune or playing at a different tempo, the whole piece would naturally be ruined. That's the way it was with rowing. What mattered more than how hard a man rowed was how well everything he did in the boat harmonized with what the other fellows were doing. Now, as you think about 
that book excerpt. Think about those metaphors of an orchestra and a rowing team. How do you think that applies to your children's ministry team? And where have you seen this play out in the past? Where have you seen it play out when you were a harmonized, well-oiled machine? And where have you seen friction and problems when teamwork breaks down? Well, what's true for an Olympic rowing team or a world-class orchestra is also true for church. Though we are each individuals playing a unique role, we can only succeed to the degree that we're able to work in harmony with other parts of the team. As the orchestra follows the conductor and as the rowers follow the rhythm set by their leader, we must follow Jesus, the head of the body of Christ. We must look to Jesus to set the pace for what we do and how we do it. That's why great teams pray together and encourage each other, challenge each other to keep their eyes on Jesus because when our eyes get off of him, teamwork in the church inevitably breaks down. Okay, so now we understand why teams matter. We understand that God has wired us for team and that his church is built to function as a body with its various parts working together, which is just another picture of team. Teams are a big deal. Teams are awesome. So how do we build one? How do we build not just any kind of team, but a healthy team? If the team of the church is a body, we want it to be the healthiest body it can be. Well, there are a lot of ways to approach this, but I believe you can boil the process down to four important steps to build and grow a healthy team. First, you have to recruit healthy team players. Two, put the right people in the right places. Three, help people learn to think like a team. And four, fight for team health. Okay, let's dive into the first one. Recruit healthy team players. This should be obvious, but healthy teams are made up of healthy individuals. If you want to build a healthy team, you have to start with healthy team players. You need people who have a vibrant relationship with God and a dependable character that flows out of that. Here are three characteristics of the kind of people who will help your team win every time. Number one, servants. These are the kind of people who show up to work hard and help the team win. No task is too menial or beneath them. That's not my job is not in their vocabulary. They are both helpful and humble. In Mark 10:45 in the NLT, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And servant-minded folks put that same attitude into action. Number two, you need people who are secure. Great team players have their identity anchored in Christ, in Christ alone. They have nothing to prove, no praise to earn. They compare themselves to no one. They're not territorial or out to build their own ministry kingdoms, and they don't care who gets the credit. The security also makes them extremely teachable. They can handle criticism and constructive feedback and can honestly debate issues for the good of the team without getting their feelings hurt or being defensive. Think of the difference between John the Baptist and King Saul from the Old Testament. John was all about building God's kingdom. Saul was focused on building his own. Some of the hardest times I have had with team members has been because their identity is wrapped up in the ministry. Their insecurity causes them to cling to their ideas and to their initiatives in a way that sacrifices the good of the team. I've seen people completely break down because something in their area of ministry was threatened in some way and their identity, their insecurity was all wrapped around that. Secure leaders will keep their eyes on the good of the team, the good of the kingdom, and really on the purposes of Christ and be willing to release their ideas and their areas of ministry for whatever will help the children's ministry to move forward. Okay, number three, you want people who are self-aware. 
Healthy teammates are self-aware. They understand their strengths and weaknesses and what they have to bring to the team. And even though they're willing to do whatever they can to jump in and help, they also know how they fit in the body of Christ and how they can make the best contribution. On the flip side, they understand their limitations and any unhealthy tendencies that can trip them up and derail the team. And though he made many mistakes along the way, King David is a great example of someone who sought God's wisdom to understand his strengths and weaknesses. Consider his prayer in Psalm 139, 38-39. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Prayers like that lead to self-awareness and lead to healthier people and healthier teams. Now, as I walk through this list, who came to mind as great examples of each character trait? Who do you know who's a servant? Who do you know who's secure? Who do you know who's self-aware? There are probably people who excel in one of these areas, maybe above the others. Can you think of someone who exemplifies each one? Maybe someone who exemplifies more than one. And on a more personal level, which areas are you strongest in? Where do you need to grow to make the biggest impact in the body of Christ? Now, here's the thing. As we recruit and invite people to join our teams, we're going to be looking for those three characteristics, people who are servants, secure, and self-aware. But none of us has arrived in all of those areas. And so not only will we look for people who are strong in those, we will also look for the opportunity to help people grow in each of those areas. We'll look for opportunities to teach people what it looks like to be a servant, what it looks like to be secure in their identity in Christ, and what it looks like to be self-aware so that they can bring their best to the team. None of us is fully developed as a disciple, and none of the people we lead and serve with will be fully developed either. And as disciplers, our job is to help people to grow to be like Jesus and to submit ourselves to Jesus' teaching and leadership so that we will grow. So look for those servants, look for those who are secure, look for those who are self-aware, but look for opportunities to help everyone to grow in each of those areas. Okay, let's move on to step two. If you want to build a healthy team, you have to put people in the right places. As you're building a great team, it's not enough to recruit the right people, but it is just as crucial that you place them in the right roles so that they can maximize their gifts and abilities for the team. When people are doing what they're wired to do, they do it with more passion and create a sense of fun and excitement for the entire team. Jim Collins writes, leaders of companies that go from good to great start not with where, but with who. They start by getting the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus, and the right people in the right seats. Now, to think about how this plays out in the real world, let me give you an overview of some of the many volunteer opportunities in our children's ministry. In fact, it takes all of these to pull off a weekend service in children's ministry. So as I read through these descriptions, I want you to think about the types of personalities, gifts, and talents necessary for each role. All right, let's start with small group leaders. A small group leader builds relationships with a group of six to 12 kids, and they lead a small group activity to help apply the Bible lesson. Then there are welcome hosts. Welcome hosts create a great first impression of children's ministry by helping guests get checked in with security tags and answering questions along the way. Next, we move on to producers. A producer leads rehearsals for the large group program. They coach storytellers, tech leaders, and worship leaders to produce a great program that leads kids to Jesus and brings his words to life. Storytellers bring the Bible story to life for kids through creative storytelling. Worship leaders, they lead kids in worship songs with dance motions. Tech leaders, they run sound, lights, video, and computer graphics for the worship service. 
Security leaders, they monitor entrances, exits, and restrooms to control access to the children's ministry environments and to keep kids safe. And then finally, there's our checkout team. They control the flow of traffic into our environments and match parents' and kids' security tags during pickup. Now think about those roles. What are some of the personality traits, gifts, or talents that come to mind when you hear about those roles? What do you think would happen if you had the wrong people in the wrong roles? And how would that affect the team? For example, let's think about somebody who would make a great storyteller. This is someone who has good communication skills, someone who can be dramatic and really bring the Bible story to life in a super fun way up on stage. This may be the life of the party or a quiet person who can just really come to life once they get up in front of a group of kids. Now, they may not make the best small group leaders because small group leaders need to have strong shepherding and relational skills. A large group communicator may not have those. They, their thing may be to get up and to present. And if you had them in a small group role, they may not do such a great job following up with kids and building relationships. The same is true for a small group leader. They may be awesome at building relationships, but you put them up in front of the kids and they just don't have the dynamic communication skills to bring the Bible story to life. Or take welcome hosts. They create great first impressions. They are that first touch as people come into children's ministry. These are usually super friendly and hospitable people outgoing. Compare that to our tech leaders. These are often very introverted, techie people who love sitting in a tech booth running sound and lights and video. Now, a welcome host who's incredibly extroverted would probably go crazy and get really distracted if we had them running tech. Same would be true if we put a tech leader at a welcome table, they might not be the friendliest, most gregarious person to welcome folks into your ministry. So you can see it's really important to get the right people in the right seats on the bus. I think of it like a puzzle. If I'm in a hurry, I could cram the puzzle pieces together and force the wrong pieces into the wrong places, shoving puzzle pieces into holes where they just don't fit. But that'd lead to a jumbled mess and a lot of gaps in the picture. Or I can take my time and search for the right pieces move them around and place them in the position where they were designed to go. Then and only then is the overall picture of the puzzle complete. In the same way, we can cram people into roles where they just don't fit. But if we take our time, get to know people, get to know their gifts, their personalities, and their calling. If we do that, God will help us to put the right people in the right places and our team will create a more complete picture of the love and life of God than we could ever do if we try to short circuit the process. So don't be afraid to take your time placing people on your team. And don't be afraid to move people who just aren't in the right spot. Now, sometimes you just have a job that needs to be done. And the person in that job may not be the perfect fit. But keep in your mind that they're just filling in until you find the person who is the best fit. Match people according to the gifts, abilities, temperament. And they will not only have a blast serving, but they will be great recruiters for your ministry because they will get to do what they do best. I will never forget when I was about to leave the church that I served at about 16, 17 years ago, I had a good friend of mine who was on our drama team come to me and say, you know what? I just never knew that serving God could be like this. And what she meant was that she could use her dramatic abilities to serve kids and to serve the kingdom. She always thought of serving God looking like one thing but we created opportunities in our ministry for her to use her gifts to do what she did best in the body of Christ. And she found her fit and found great joy in using those abilities.
Well, we're actually going to stop and wrap things up there for today. This conversation on teamwork's a lot bigger than one episode. As I got into recording this, I realized I was running way past the time that I like to keep these episodes at. And so we're going to break this up into multiple episodes. We'll be back in just a couple of weeks, so I'm not going to leave you hanging for long because I want to continue talking about teams. We're going to talk about how we help people to think as a team and not just as individuals. And also we're going to talk about how you deal with dysfunction on a team. We are all imperfect people who are in process in our own journey of discipleship with Jesus. And so sometimes when we play together on a team, dysfunction is the result, whether it's because of our personalities or immaturity or sin or whatever else it is. Playing on a team sometimes brings out the best and sometimes brings out the worst. And we'll talk about as the leader how you can lead folks through those challenging seasons. I've been through many of them myself, and I'm sure I'll have many more of those that I'll be a part of because that's just a part of the discipleship process and leading people. And that's kind of cool that we get to play a role in bringing health to unhealthy situations. And at the end of the day, that honors God. Our simple takeaway today is ministry happens best in teams. Our Bible verse is 1 Corinthians 12, 27 from the NIV that says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That's God's design, that's God's plan, and that's why ministry happens best on teams because we're made to be a part of a body, and God gets the glory at the end of the day. Hey, thanks for listening today. I'm glad you and I are on the same team. Children's ministry is an awesome calling. It's also a hard calling, investing in leaders and discipling kids and encouraging parents. And it helps knowing that we're not in it alone. And as long as I'm around, I am going to be encouraging you guys to remind you that you're not in it alone either, that I'm rooting for you. And I pray for all those who are listening to this podcast, praying for your ministry, praying for your own walk with God, and praying for God just to do awesome things through you. So I'm glad we're in this together. And I hope you come back next time as we continue this conversation on teamwork on the Simple Kidman podcast. Have a great week leading and serving your teams. I'll see you next time. Oh,